little better. Brighten these lights, will you? You know, last Sunday we were took time we prayed for the for florida and uh some of florida down the keys got hit pretty hard but a lot of it was saved and so i want to thank the lord for that but we also know that uh, uh we have another hurricane looking to do the same thing the last one did maybe worse we don't know yet so we want to continue to pray for florida uh another hurricane called maria is hitting that way so keep that in your prayers this week <laughs> let god be god amen um, this one of the things that we deal with, and we're, I'm gonna preach on for the next several, probably next few weeks anyway, is uh, is is pride. Anybody have a problem with pride? Now, if you sit there and don't say anything, you got a problem with pride. Uh, pride is a thing that comes at us in many forms, in many ways, and it, it's it's a direction that that takes us opposite from God. And uh, some pride is just humor and humorous, and it's you know it's it's just all in fun. But when it comes to 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 really the the pride that wants to 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 dictate your life, that's a pride that we can't have. And um, it's uh you know some pride is just obvious. You see it sometimes. I got I got a few friends out there that that are they're, they're just obvious, man. They just cocky, you know. And the minute you look at them, you say, oh, man, I know all about them. You know, it's, you, just, well, that, you, just, you just know it. And then when they open their mouth, you really know it. And they're just kind of cocky. It's just a, a prideful attitude, a, a pride about everything. And sometimes I wonder, I say, man, that guy's got so much pride, and they did not even got a reason to be prideful. But, yeah, they're prideful. I see people in this, in the, just have nothing or whatever, and they're just prideful over the nothing they have. And then you see people with got everything, and they're so prideful. You can't, I mean, our politicians are prideful because they have power. So pride comes in a, lot, in, a lot of, in a lot of forms, in a lot of ways. But humility, humility is the key. Amen? Now, you can look the search this Bible over. What we'll talk about next every week is about humility. You can search this Bible over a lot, and you're going to find that over and over again, it's the humble that God's looking for. The humble in heart, the humble in soul, that's who God's looking for. He's not looking for, for a man or a woman or a child or whatever that, that is so prideful that everything comes out of their mouth, although they may be very, very eloquent. They may be a, a good intellectual person that can speak with a great vocabulary. That's not what God's looking for. He equips who he calls. Amen? He equips us. I mean, I'm the farthest thing that ever should be from a pastor, but he equips us. I'm struggling with even speaking. Most times this surgery, I have a slobber coming out of my mouth. It's like, my goodness, what's going on here? But he equips us. Amen? And if you put pride in your life, if you stick pride where it's in there, and I am guilty of it, as guilty as anybody sitting here. I've been prideful over this church, and 
It, it hurts God. He doesn't want it. And he will remove that from your life. And if you're not willing, he will remove it in another way. Amen? And some of you, some of you you've got to know what I'm talking about. As we go through the scriptures today, we'll look at that. But the heading of the sermon is let God be God. And the way we let God be God is to be humble, to show humility towards God and his people. Humility. Everybody say humility. humility. Say it again. Humility. 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 It, is, it is the thing that God's after us to have more than anything else is humility. And you say, well, how about love? Well, if you've got humility, you've got love. You can have a, a, a form of love, but if humility is not involved with that, then it's not a, a, a true humility that God's looking for. It's a form of love that you have made up in your own mind. A true love from God will be with humility. Everybody agree with me? So let God be God in your life. And if you really want God to be a God in your life, then you better be humble. And when the time comes... When the pride wants to stick out there, we're going to use some of you to get all kinds of props today. When the, when the time comes, you've got to be humble instead of prideful. Now, a lot of you may relate to this. In, in my life, in, especially in my life years and years ago, and, uh, 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 I, I would be very prideful in that hard to believe, ain't it, Donna? Yeah, <laughs> Donna knows what I'm talking about already. I had a horse that she, she named the horse Sinful Pride. That wasn't the horse's name, but for some reason, Donna named that horse that. Anyway, I would have, a tr when, when somebody would get mad at me or, or at work or something, I'd just soon pick up my hammer and hit him in the head. Even though they were probably right. Because how dare you tell me what's wrong with my life when I know what's wrong with my life, I just don't want to fix it. How dare you tell me I don't know how to hang a door? Even though I may have messed up, I just don't want you telling me that. That's pride. And so I, a lot of times you, you just spurt out anger and things because you, don't, you want them to shut up because it's hurting you. It's hurting your, everybody say, pride. It's hurting your pride. But what if God is using those things to show you where you need the most help in your life? Because if you want to walk with God, if you want to go on a, a wonderful journey with God, listen up. You've got to let pride go. It's going to stick its ugly head up from time to time. But the most important thing is that you know when it's sticking its head up and you cut it off with humility. You know, a turtle sticks its head out once in a while. Cut it off. <laughs> you like that, didn't you, man? <laughs> so let God be God in your life. If you were given an opportunity to count how many times in your life you had, cho had to choose pride or humility, humility, which would be the guiding force of your life? Which one would it be? Would, it be, would you be putting on the hat and the sunglasses, or would you be putting on the, on the humble hat? Which would it be? Now, and, and a lot of us will say, well, if you're really honest with yourself, you'll say, well, pride. Well, that's fine. Be honest with yourself, because you can't get rid of it until you're honest. Amen. Some of you do things just to make other please to please other people because you don't want to hurt your pride. You don't want to make them think that you're something you're not, which you're not. You just do things. It's confusing. Isn't it pride confusing? It can, it can just be so confusing. And you sit back and think, well, that's not really who I am, but yet I did it anyway. What is wrong with me? I think the Apostle Paul said something like that in Romans. I do things I don't want to do, but yet I do them anyway. Pride. 
Now, I don't want to pick on the young men, because, but I was young once. And when young guys, you know why you don't get, you're lucky to get through life? Because you're prideful. You get on that motorcycle and think you can do 150 miles an hour, and if you fall off, you just jump right back up. Nothing happened to me. Prideful. And I don't think you're always late <laughs> for some going somewhere. It's pride. Now, I do have the best horse in the world. <laughs> and Blackwell knows it. Now, don't, is that prideful? Or is that just facts? Come on, is it prideful or is this facts? Pride, John. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. As far as I'm concerned, it's a fact. But if I spew that out, which I have many times because I just love my horse, it is prideful. But, you know, it's not a, he said, well, it's not a terrible prideful thing. Well, it can, if you don't put it in check, it can roll over to other things. And the next thing you know, as in my family, in my, some of my families, so I better not say a whole lot, but some of my family have the best children. You know, I have kids, nephews, nieces that are the smartest in the world. They are the smartest in the world, and everything they do is the best. Vicky, am I right or wrong? <laughs> but y'all know, y'all have relatives like that, right? Everything they do is the best. Oh, man, they're the best at that job. They can flip that hamburger better than anybody. They're the best. And, they, and it's like that. It's like, and, and as you go through that with people in their lives, it's like, I know what you're going to say. Just go ahead and say it. I'm going to shut my ears off, and then I'll chime in sometime. And Blackwell would say, would be, uh-huh. It's just part of our lives. So if we can relate to this, how many times has humility actually, humility versus pride, how many times has humility actually won over pride? So are we to be humble in just certain parts of our life or all parts of our life? Now, am I, I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying you can't. Don't, 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 don't get this wrong. There's times that I can just have fun by saying my horse is the best horse in the world. I know it's not. But it's close. <laughs> we can have fun with some things, right? Don't get crazy with things. I mean, if, we can't, if God, God's a God of humor, he created us. Nothing is dangerous, is as dangerous as a our Christian life, than the unteachable, now listen to me, unteachable spirit of pride. You know what happens when a, when a, when a, 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 a lay person, a Sunday school teacher, or somebody that really thinks they're really righteous, and, and all of a sudden you can't teach them anything? You know what? That's an unteachable spirit, and it's not from God. I sit up here and preach for years now, and it's like people come up to me, and I say, where do I ever say that in a sermon? Where do you get this stuff from? It's not of God. It's, and you just think they, they're unteachable. They don't listen. They don't pay attention. They have already decided in their life what God is going to be in their life. There's no humility. They've decided that. So therefore, they become an unteachable, have an unteachable spirit. Does that make sense to y'all? A lot of us get that way. You think you've got it all planned out. You've got it all figured out. Well, how's God going to use you if, if your pride is so unteachable? But if we allow humility, and, I, and I'll be honest, I don't think I've preached on humility that much, but I'm going to. Because what I've learned this week, I've studied countless hours this week on humility. 
And humility is the pathway. It's the direction to the blessings and the understanding of God. It's the blessings that empower us through the Holy Spirit is humility. It's probably the, the, the most wonderful thing that can happen in your life is to learn humility. Not just to learn it, but your life is directed towards that. And I'm going to tell you, every one of you, before the day is out, you're going to be hit with a choice between pride and humility. You know why? Even if I wasn't preaching on this, because that's life. So we have to deal as Christians to, to recognize where pride is and to recognize that God wants us to go through humility, not pride. So there's nothing more dangerous in the Christian life. And if you're sitting there thinking right now, I don't need to hear this sermon, your pride is put a wall up so high. And you're the one that needs to hear it worse. It's not all of us. You've got to listen to the spirit of truth. Amen? I didn't bring that many scriptures with me today, but I tell you, you could just punch in humble on your, on your on if you've got a Bible app or something, humility or humble, and you're just going it, to, it is, is rich in it. From, from, from the Old Testament to the New, rich in humbleness and humility. If Satan can breathe pride into your life, you will do the rest. Now, I'm gonna, we'll start out in Genesis here in a second. But if Satan can, and I use the word, the word breath because God breathed into man and man became alive. And Satan, if he can breathe into our lives pride, it starts to separate us from God. And that, and that is... That pride is what brought Satan down from heaven. The most glorious creation that God ever created was Lucifer. And his fall was the fall of, everybody say pride. Pride. So is it hard to think that the very first thing he'd want to introduce to the creation of humans is pride? And he did. That's how he got it started. That's how he keeps it going. His playbook is not that big. He'll just simply go to the old, old thing that always works, pride. If he can get you through jealousy, jealousy, everybody say pride. Because you're jealous of somebody else trying to take something from you. Whether it's a position or whatever it might be, you get prideful because somebody got a better score at you in school. It's pride. Oh, I can do as good as that person. Well, why didn't you? Pride. He'll use anything and everything to separate you from the humility and the humbleness that God wants us to have. And once you know this, once we, you're sitting here learning this, you're going to be held accountable for it. Amen? Now listen to me. Now everybody listen, everybody raise your hand if you're listening. You're going to be held accountable for it. I give you things in this church for the last eight years, and I say you'll be held accountable for it, and some of you act like I never said it. You're going to be accountable for it. You're going to be held accountable. The more you understand, the more you learn about God, the more he holds you accountable. And when you fail in what he's teaching you, because you think you don't need it or you're unteachable spirit already, do you not think he's going to hold you accountable? He will. He will. Now, last week we prayed for Florida. And there was people on the beach down there praying for Florida. There were Christians all over the whole world praying for Florida. What did the hurricane do? It hit the keys, but it swayed off, didn't it? Yeah. Amen. Now, was that just a coincidence, or maybe was it a prayer from God? Do you think God wants to get glory from that? Yeah. He does. Thank you for praying for God, to God, to, to clean the, that hurricane would slip away from Florida. It could have been a lot worse, but it wasn't. Does God control, the, control everything? 
Yes, he does. In Genesis 3, 4, and 5, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, which I've said many times, and John knows probably what I'm going to say, if snakes are talking to you, run away. Snakes don't talk. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Because God had told them that if you touch from this one tree out of all the garden, you're going to die. And just like a lot of things God tells us, we, we, these people, they thought, well, maybe we'd die immediately. It was going to be a spiritual death. Not a physical death at that time, but you will die. Now, those people would have still be around if they hadn't have done that, and we wouldn't be in the nature we're in. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, wouldn't that perk up your ear if somebody said, you're not going to die? No matter what God said, you're not going to die. Isn't your ear going to perk up? And then, she, and then Satan, the devil says, for God knows that in the day you eat, uh, eat of, your eyes will be opened. Now, wait a minute. I thought my eyes were open. I thought I saw all the beauty. It's the eyes to the spirit of who you are. And, of course, he's, he's, he's throwing out things. He's throwing out like $50 bills trying to draw you closer. So when you get there, he's got you. Now, the thing she should have done was run away. She should have never been around the tree to begin with. She should have never been around that. God had told her not to go around it, but because she wanted more than what God had already given her, which is beauty, beautiful thing. Everything you think of, a, a, a nature without sin, he's just given her things. She wanted more from God. What does that mean? Does everybody say pride? Not, not satisfied where we're at. Everybody say pride. For God knows that in that day, now it gives her a, a, a Pacific day, that day, the day you do this, boy, things are going to get good. I mean, the day you get on this, things are going to be good. In that day, in the, in the day you eat of your eyes will be open, and you will be, everybody say, hook, boom. Brent, you're a fisherman, right? The bobber went under, you just pulled, right? You hooked it, Ben. Same thing with Satan. Knowing what? Now, she doesn't even know what evil is. It's something new because all she knows is the good. There's no sin nature. She doesn't know. So all of a sudden, he introduces her to a word that she doesn't know what it is. But boy, don't you want to know everything? So Satan introduces something, don't you want to be like God? You will be like God. It's pride. He throws out that, 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 that fishing line of pride. He starts to reel it in. It looks good. You start to bite on it. You, you don't run away from it. You know it's a hook on the end of it. You sit there and say, I can defeat that hook. I can get it out of there pretty quick, too. And as soon as you bite of it, yanks, he yanks on it and starts to reel you in. And you're hooked. And it's over. And you will die. Now, you say, well, everybody's going to die. Yeah, I'm talking about a spiritual death. And, and, and that right there, that pride, when you start to introduce pride and more pride in your life, you're, you're telling the Holy Spirit just to move on out, out of the way a little bit or let something come else in here. You move on out of the way a little bit. And it creeps in. 
and it takes over, and it will destroy you. But God, amen? But God, he loves you. It takes an absolute surrender. Because of what happened in those few verses, we now have this choice. Some of you say, oh, I've surrendered. No, 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 you haven't. See, God's after, everybody say absolute. He's after absolute surrender. He's not after a partial surrender. He's after absolute surrender. And about 99% of the Christians won't give an absolute surrender. They'll, they'll, enter, they'll always go back to what they, what they think is right for their lives. How big God is in your life will determine how small you are in your life. Everybody get that? If, if, if your life is ran by pride, then, then God's somewhere down the list. And he, he won't be big in your life because you're not allowing him to be big in your life. But if humility has overcome your life, and you're walking in humility, you're, you're trying that pathway, you see when the temptation of pride rears its ugly head, and you can, you can fight it off with humility. Or do you grab a hold of it and go with the pride? That's what you've got to determine. How big God is in your life will be determined by how small you are in your life. And we see that in the book of John, chapter 3. This is John the Baptist talking. Now, he had a following. I mean, he, they were people coming out of the cities, to this guy with, with a camel outfit on and itchy hair and eating bugs and honey or whatever. They were coming out to be baptized, the Jews, because they wanted a cleansing. They, the Messiah is coming. They thought they needed this cleansing. So they were coming out to be baptized by John the Baptist, to be prepared for the Messiah. And he had them coming out by the droves enough to, to cause so much trouble that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and also the, and the other ones were coming out to pay attention to it. And his disciples that were following him, he was preaching the word of God. Now I want to tell you something, John the Baptist was on the scene for six months. That's his ministry time level, six months. He was a Nazarite, one of the only Nazarites in the New Testament, which held his life completely as God told him to hold it. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now these disciples coming to him were tempting him. No different than the pride in the garden. They were tempting him because they were trying to say, well, listen, there's this guy named Jesus. He's coming around, and people are flocking to him. We're losing the crowd, John. They're going to him. Now, after six months of all these people coming after you by the droves, maybe thousands upon thousands coming out to you, your pride could get really, really up there. But this is a man of God. He has overcome the pride in his life. He has learned humility. He may have questions as things go on, but he's learned this. But his disciples haven't. And, and they don't know any better, but they're tempting John in a way. And John goes back at him. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, that's telling us in our lives that we must die to self continually. And I know most of you have been in church, you've heard that saying over and over again. But what does it really mean to you? What does it really mean to you? Well, let me see. I brought this box up here. And there, you know what it is? There's nothing in it. It means you've got to become an empty box, an empty vessel of God. Amen? Completely empty of pride. Completely empty of what your self-ambitions are to give it over to God. Now, John knew this. 
Now, he could have went off and said, well, I could make a lot of money here. I, I've got fame and fortune. i got the Pharisees coming out of me. I could do really good things. But yet it wouldn't have been the, the position that God wanted him to have. It would have been in John's position. But he knew better. In 31, he says, he who comes from above is above. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about Christ. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus, which happens to be his cousin. He says, he who comes from above is above all. Everybody say above all. And if he's above all, we have to be empty. Amen? Now, it's going to take a little effort to empty yourself out. And uh, Dwight L. Moody used to say the hardest thing he ever did was get out of bed every day and die to himself. And every day, you've got to get up and make sure you're empty. And if you're not, get on your knees before you hit your feet. Get empty. When you're empty of self, you're able to help and serve others in ways that are the biggest blessings in life. Somebody could bring me a, 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 a not the best horse, I've already got that one, but uh, could bring me, a, I don't know, some kind of Lamborghini or Ferrari. Now, what would that do? That would increase my pride, right? It would increase my whatever if I let it. But if I said, if somebody said, well, you want a Lamborghini today? I mean, a bright yellow one with black stripes? Or would you rather help some sweet lady or older man somewhere and talk about God? Well, most of the world say, well, that's a duh. Give me a Lamborghini. There's lots of money in that. I could sell it. I could sell it and help the poor. <laughs> the poor being me. I'm poor today. But you know the blessings that God wants us to have is to serve and help and love people. Amen? Do you know why you're here? You say, well, I'm going to raise my family. Well, no, God's giving you a blessing of raising your family. You're here to help and serve people that God puts in front of you. That's why you're here. When you're done, when God's done with your, with your mission here, you're going home. You're here to serve. You're here to love. He must increase. Everybody say that. He must increase. Now listen to me, I just told you that. These are, these are words from the Bible. He must increase. I, or my, let's put in front of me. I, but I must decrease. Amen? Everybody say, I must, I must decrease. If you can get that, if you can set a pattern in your life, and you could say, Lord, help me recognize the temptation of pride, that the humility that you're asking me to have will overtake, overtake and overpower if you'll pray that, and you'll keep praying that, uh, your pattern of lifestyle will change. It may take a while, but it will change. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly. Now he's saying God is above us. Our nature is earthly. We earned that nature from the garden. You can't say, well, if I was there, I would have done that. Everybody say pride again. Because you would have done it. People aren't different until Christ comes into your life. Then we become different. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the what? Earth. You speak the nature of sin. The nature of these things. That's what we are. He who comes from heaven is, everybody say it, above all. He's above all. He's above all. He, know, he knows what's good for your life. 
He knows that you're going to struggle with pride. And he wants to invest in you the understanding of humility. And he will take your life and rip it apart and beautifully put it back together again, learning humility if he has to do that to you. And it's called love. In Matthew 5, 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the start of the Beatitudes. I'm going to give you this one this, today. Now, this first, first thing that Christ has given us, it says, there, there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All the rest of the Beatitudes won't be written like that. It can come. It will come. This one is, blessed are the poor. And that poor, everybody say humility. They're not talking about, in, in the world we live in, if you say you're poor, everybody says, what did he do wrong? I didn't do that wrong. Look at me. Everybody say pride. Now, I tell you, I know there's people on the street corners in different places wanting money. I don't help them because that's called in everybody's, what's that word I'm looking for? In, there you go. Everybody say enabling. There's jobs everywhere. There's all kinds of ways to get help. They don't want help. They want to be enabled. So we can't enable them, and that is a part of everybody say love. It is. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means humility. Now, we look at that, and like I say, we say, well, I don't want to be poor. But yet, that's, that's what we have to be to be blessed, is to be poor in the spirit, in our spirit, not to, not to think so much of ourselves, not to get so self-righteous that we can't see the holiness of God because we think we're holier than God. And every time you think you, can, you know better what to do than what God is, that's, you just put yourself holier than God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. So what is God trying to tell us here? We can live in this kingdom of heaven right in this light if our spirit is poor to this light. That makes sense? We can be blessed. Why is it we, we don't choose it? Next one is the battle. I got a. Who does? Who's had some good handwriting? Now I'm going to use some of you today, and I'm going to handpick you. And there's a reason for it. The battle. Let's read this. The battle. I, I come up with three words: humility, honest, honest, and honor. But for this battle, I need about let's say five. Big, husky, strong men. That, you're going to be our ground guy. Come on, man. Austin, come here. John Blackwell, get on up here. Hey, we're picking the team, man. You're not a big guy, Lukey. Sean, get on up here. Bill, Bill Willis got his head down. He don't want me choosing him. <laughs> my back, my back. Larry, get up here. Dale, get up here. No, you over everything, guys. Okay. Now, who can who can write good? Who? Jen? Mel? I just got a couple words I want you to write, Mel. While we're picking this out. Somebody grab that baby.
want you to write pride across that. Big, big, big letters. And then a humility on this one, okay? Okay, now, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, heavy-sided over here. Not talking about your heavy, just strong. Strong. You got Dale in the back. He's going to be the anchor guy or whatever. Okay, now, I, I, need, I need Kelly, come on up. Jenny, get up here. I want you girls get up here. All, all you girls, come on up here. You stand here. Vicky, come on up here. Thank you. Yeah, you can put humble or humility on her, either one. Now, now, if I was asked you, she's going to write another one at humble on. These are thresholds. And thresholds are what? Something we cross over, right? Now, if I was going to ask you, if I said, which side is more humble, which side is more prideful, which ones would you choose? For pride? Who would you choose for pride? How do I figure that out? What's wrong with these people? Well, I'm going to put this threshold down. It's called pride, okay? Right here. Now, this is this, this crowd. Now, I, I don't know why you picked the, the women to be as hum, humble, but you did. How many people we have over? One, two, three. One, two, three, four. How many you got over? Humble. Humble. That's the two thresholds right there. Now, you know what this game is, don't you? Austin, you know what it is. You're saying, I can pull all them girls down by myself, right, Austin? Is that in your head, Austin? Yeah. It was. Everybody say pride. pride. <laughs> I'm sorry, Austin. Now, I know Brent says I don't even need Austin. No. I, I can do it, right? Everybody say pride. pride. Sean, I'm not sure what Sean's going to say. Blackwell says I don't want to be up here. <laughs> and Larry here, he doesn't know. He's just a happy guy. He doesn't something to be so happy like that. And Dale, who knows about Dale? He's just a great guy. But I'm sure he'll be happy to pull these girls down. Stretch that rope out. Let all you guys grab a hold of it. Now, give up some rope, girls. Look at everybody saying, wait a minute, I thought this was the humble side. She threw them. She, she threw them. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you think humble thinks it can beat pride? I mean, look at them. They're humble. Can they beat pride? Yes. You, how many of you believe the humble could beat pride? Amen. Now, I'll tell you what. Maybe not in the physical aspect, but in the spiritual aspect, it will always beat pride. You know you can't do this, right? <laughs> you know you can't do this. I think maybe you need some more help. Yeah. Give me some more girls. Jenny, come on up here. Lauren, come on up here. Staff, come on up here. They need help. What happens when humility needs help and pride's trying to overpower it? What happens when it needs help? What are you supposed to do? Get up here. Actually help them. If you see that pride is so tough and so big and strong and you see that in people's lives and you know they're trying to be humble, what are you supposed to do? 
you supposed to go over here and stand on the stand of pride, or are you going to go over here and, and be helping with the humble? Now, you're going to tear that table up. Step over that way a little bit. Well, listen, boys, because I'm not prideful, go easy on them. <laughs> I'm going to give you about five seconds, and that's it. Go. <laughs> Just let go right there. Don't even try no more. Thank you very much. <laughs> let her go. No second chances, man. What did you just learn? That no matter how powerful pride looks like, if you stay on the side of humility and you get up and you help, those that are asking for help, pride, no matter what it looks like, will not overpower humility. Amen or not? So therefore, don't look like pride is going to destroy you. Ask for help. You know, we could have prayer teams and prayer warriors that say, listen, I've got a problem with pride. Can we get together and have a, have a you be my prayer warrior, I'll be your prayer warrior. When something's going on in my life and pride's trying to destroy me or some sort of thing like, let's get together and pray or let's text each other and just pray and let's stop and pray right then that we can help each other. Amen? Amen. You saw what it can do. Now, I honestly, to be honest with you, I thought they were going to just pull your eye on over you get enough people on that humility side, it don't matter what that side looks like, does it? Three things I brought to you this morning. We're going to close here pretty soon, but three things. Humility is freedom from the hold of pride and arrogance. I introduced that word arrogance. I'm not going to talk on it a whole lot, but humility is, is it, it's freedom from the hold of pride and arrogance. Arrogance is a part of your pride. Honesty, being in God's mindset. Now, how do we get in God's mindset? Prayer in the Word, coming to church, getting prayer people to help you in things. Being in God's mindset and doing, everybody say, what's right? Everybody say, what's right? What's right? What's right? What is right? What He says is right. Amen? What He says is right. Not what your, your drama queen on the text thing on the Facebook somewhere, but what? This says is right, is right. I'll tell you what, y'all do good if you get off the Facebook and you go to the Word of God instead of trying to get somebody to agree with whatever you're trying to get them to agree with. Isn't that a form of, everybody say pride? There you go. I don't need to know every aspect of what you had for dinner last night. It's really, I'm glad you had chicken and dumplings. I'm having it today. In fact, I made the best ever. <laughs> but some things I just don't need to know. There you go. I hear that. Being in God's mindset, devoting your life to the mindset of God, to be poor in that spirit, and let God fill you up. If you, if you think, I've never really prayed to have humility, well, here it is. What's today's date? September 17th, 2017, pair of sevens there. Start praying for humility. 
and watch pride start to... The, the moment you get on your heart and your knees in your heart and you start praying for humility, I can tell you pride is going to step in and try to destroy that. But if you'll recognize the pride and let the humility overpower it, it will run and flee from you. Because pride is from, everybody say, the devil. That's where it's from. And honor. I mean, these are, these are three words, humility, honest, and honor, that we just don't live by much anymore. We don't. We, we, we want to live from just the opposite of that. But that's not what God says. We've just got so far away from what God says because of the stinking pride of this world. Honor. Living your life with integrity. And what is integrity? Living towards God. Not what a man says, but what God says. Following Him in that way. Integrity. And good character. That when somebody speaks of you, they speak well of you, whether you're in front of them or not. Don't give them a reason to speak bad of you. No matter the personal cost. And that's the hard part. Because I'm telling you, when you put these things in your life, there'll be a personal cost. And some of the people around you you love a lot, they're not going to agree with these things. And they'll soon separate themselves from you. But we are to stay close to God. And the closest way you can get to God is to stay with humility in your life. Amen? If any of these three areas within your life are flawed, listen to me. If any of these are flawed, your relationship with Christ and His Holy Spirit is what? Under attack. See, it's not just a temptation. You're under attack. Because you're a Christian. You've claimed to put Christ in your life. So recognize there's attacks coming after you. And sometimes we do fall for them. I mean, the, it is the hook is, is in there and we fall for them. But you don't have to stay there. That's the good news. We have a Savior that died for us, that He can not just cover our sins, but wash them away. That they're gone. He'll never bring them up in a bad time. He'll never say, well, you remember when you did such and such. That's not God. He don't remember them. They're washed away. Everybody say washed away. Now, we're not to repeat those sins because we keep doing repeating those sins. Were you really saved? Or are you just like a feeling of some kind of whatever? Those that are saved by Christ will change. Amen? And when you hear a sermon or you do a Bible study, it's just not in one ear and out the other, not even go through your head. It stays in your head. It roams around in your head. It starts to become part of you. It starts to become the nature of who you are. Does that make sense? Is Christ your Lord? Now, you say, well, yeah. No, 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 no. Is Christ your Lord? Is your, is your life empty of this stuff? Are you defeating pride? Not through pride, but through humility. Now, we say, well, I'll never get all the way there. Are you trying to get there? Are you attempting? Are your prayers trying to get you there? I learn what sin is all the time. I just don't know, well, here's seven sins. I can't do these. I won't do any more. 
I learned stuff about sin all the time that I didn't realize I was sinning in. And then I have to change and go according to God. Is Christ your Lord? And Lord means Lord. It means you're everything. This is, I'm going to close here in a minute. You guys have read this to you many times in this church. And this is exact. This is the parable. I said we're going to be in parables for a while. And this is another parable. This is a parable in, in Luke here. Now I want you to listen to these words. Everything we've talked about, listen to this parable. And it, it's a, also he spoke this parable to some. These are letters in red. This is Jesus talking. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Now wait a minute. Also he spoke this parable to who? Some who what? Trusted in who? Say it again. They trusted in who? Okay, now here's the Messiah standing right in front of them. They know it or they don't want to know it. They've seen the miracles. They've seen this man with the most humility of anybody else ever walked on the face of the earth. They don't want to know it. They trusted in themselves. He's speaking to the self-righteous. To those unteachable spirits. Those ones that don't want to learn because they think they've learned. I've read the Bible a thousand times. I read it every year. When you're not a thousand years old, you just lie there. It's more pride. It's not how many times you read the Bible. It's what you take in from the Bible and live. Atheists read the Bible. It's a book to them. But to us that are coming closer to Christ, it's our life. And when God says, I want to teach you about humility, or I want to teach a church about humility, you better pay attention. Amen? Because he's not going to change his mind. Also, he spoke to the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were, everybody say righteous, and despised by others. They were. It was the Pharisees. In verse 10, but two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, everybody say Trusted in themselves? Because that's what it is. And the other tax player, we talked about that last week, a tax player, a sinner, somebody that, that's off the road. And here, here's, here it is. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed, thus with what? Everybody say himself again. When I pray, I pray to who? To God, to Jesus, to God. He's telling you right here, this person, whoever it is, he's giving you this example of this parable. The self-righteous person that won't, can't be taught because they don't want to be taught prays to themselves. Everybody say pride. God, I thank you so far so good that I am not like other men. Stop right there. One of the worst things that you can do is compare yourself to another person. Your good works won't get you to heaven. It won't do it. You can't be better than Chris over here. You can't be better than, than, than Larry. You can't. It has nothing to do with that. Everybody say nothing to do with that. Quit trying. It says right here. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. It should be, God, I thank you that you're changing me to be more like you. 
And he goes on to give a list. Everybody say this list for me. Way to help out, dude. There's tax collectors standing there with him, right? This is the parable. Does he care about this man? No. Everybody say more pride. In 12 it says, and what else does he do? He might be a skinny dude. I fast twice a week. He's, he's putting a, a checklist in order that if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to be in good terms with God. That is not in my Bible. That is a man-made, Satan-made-up story. It's not in my Bible. No one's good is what the Bible tells me. And the only good you have is when you put Christ in your life. You fell in the garden way back then. And until you have something to wash that away, you're going to be continued that way. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Very, everybody say prideful. And the tax collector, this man of sin, this man of guilt, he knows it. He knows the way he's lived. He knows it. And this tax collector is standing afar off. In other words, he's off in the distance a little bit. He's listening to these things going on. And he can just feel that he's got to be poor in the spirit. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. Now look at this thing that. He's over here far off. He knows he's got sin in his life. He's heard this, this self-righteous guy that's supposed to be the priest, that's supposed to be the guide for him, talk like he talks. And he's so humble that he knows that he has, there's no way he should even look upon a God or heaven. He knows who he is in God. He knows he's a filthy sinner. He knows it. Phil Donahue used to be on TV. A lot of you young people have no idea who Phil Donahue is, and trust me, you don't want to know. He had somebody on one time, and they were talking about the song Amazing Grace. And it, you know how Amazing Grace goes and how he talks about how you need this grace and however it goes, talks about like being a filthy sinner in it. And he stood up and he said to that TV and to everybody who was watching, I'm not that person. I'm not that person. I'm a good person. He has no idea who God is. Not a clue. Not a clue. That he didn't need God's grace. That he was fine. If he doesn't change his ways before he passes on, he won't be fine. And neither will anybody else. He's an unteachable spirit. He thought he had it all together. He's got millions. I mean, after all, his father-in-law is Danny Thomas. Anybody know who Danny Thomas was? St. Jude's Hospital? He was a Catholic man. He was a good man. And so he thought, well, you know, whatever. I can be as good as my father-in-law. After all, I've been doing good things on the TV here. Oh, pride. I tell you, let me see here. Let's go back to 13. And this tax clerk standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but what? Everybody say, What? Why did he beat his breast? Why did Jesus, when telling this parable, put in there, beat his breast? Well, he wouldn't even look to heaven, so you know the humility's come down. He beat his breast because he was so 
understanding of who he is. His sin nature. He's got it. Jesus is trying to explain that to these Pharisees. You have a sin nature. And you should be so, so ashamed of that sin nature that you can't even look to heaven. You ever get mad when you realize you've been beat by temptation? I mean, when you just face it, temptation hits you and, you, and it got you, and you get mad at yourself? Well, I have. I get so mad at myself, and that's like beating yourself on the chest because I fell for the silly things that I should never fall for. Because pride wanted something or wanted to do something or wanted to look at something or whatever it is more than my humiliation or my humility. And it just pulled me over the tug of war. I tell you, it says, God, be merciful to me of what? Everybody say, what? A sinner. Now you can look at this man and say, wait a minute, we got a, a priest here, a Pharisee. He's teaching the Old Testament. He's teaching about the Word of God. He's a Pharisee, my goodness. He's an educated man. He knows it all. I'm going to go with that guy. Or you can go and look at this guy that is truly honest within himself of who he is. I'm going to go with this tax collector. Because, see, I'm not looking at the tax collector. I'm looking at the Lord working within him. Amen? And I see it. I hear it right here. In 14, it says, I tell you, this man, this man went down to his house justified. In other words, hell. Rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. See, when you exalt yourself above God, when you think you've got it all, you're going to get humbled. And if you're not going to get humbled on this earth, you're going to spend eternity in hell. I don't want anybody there. If you don't understand what hell is, go do a study on it. You don't need me telling you everything. Go do a study on it. Find out if that's where you want to be. The Bible speaks more of hell than it does heaven. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who what? Humbles himself will be what? Yeah. If not here in heaven or both. Amen? Words for your week. Are you guys happy about going back to the words for the week? You like that? All right. I need to put my glasses on today. Somebody, somebody give it to me. Somebody got the, right? The what? The A what? Nope. Nope. Come on. The what? We're looking for a pathway. The address. Nope, not God's grace. God's glory. There you go. And what? What's the H word? No, it's not heaven. Humility way. Somebody got it over here. The address to God's glory and blessing is 777, that perfect number of God. Humility way. Amen? 
We've had a wonderful morning. I hope you enjoyed this beautiful music, Kelly and all the rest of them. I hope you enjoyed Aaron. More than anything, I hope you take in what Christ has taught you today. That you become the child of Christ that he's making. I got a car battery up here. Everybody probably been looking at that car battery. What's on a car battery? A what? Positive and negative. It is. It don't work without positive and negative. Positive and a negative. In our life, we have really two things you can boil it down to. Pride or humility. They don't, they don't coexist. You can't put them together and expect to start something. Pride and humility, will, everybody say, will not coexist. It won't work. You've got to choose. You've got to choose. Because this sermon came to you, you've got to choose. I have to choose. You have to choose. You say, well, I just ignore it. The ignoring it is choosing. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables today. If you're a child of God, if you've surrendered your life, and I'm talking about surrendered your life, if you're, if, if this, say you've recognized pride over this message somewhere today, then come and get it out. Allow God to introduce humility in your life. Humility. You can't do it on your own because our nature is to be prideful. We lost that choice in the garden. And the way you gain humility will only be through Christ. The way you can say no when somebody asks you or tempted from somebody, you young people, you get tempted to go out and do something you shouldn't be doing, whatever it is, going to the wrong places, doing the wrong things. Do you know why you don't say no? Everybody say pride. Let me say it again. Do you know why you don't say no? Pride. So who's attacking you? Satan is attacking you right there. There's a choice very clear right there. And humility and the humbleness saying, I belong to Christ. I'm going this way. And you're going to lose some friends. You might lose some family members. But you've gained a whole new family. The church. Amen? You've gained and conquered what God has called us to. So you're welcome at these tables. But if you've got issues in your life and you know it, if God is revealing some of you, I, you can't tell me that God's not revealing some kind of pride issue in your life. Because he did me when I was putting this thing together. So you can't tell me you're not, you're that, oh, uh, that's just a feeling. I can get past that. Well, go ahead. Have fun with that one. That's called pride. Get it out. At your chair, up here, get it out. Turn this church to be a humble church, a church of humility and not pride. Amen? If you can't do it, I'm sorry. Truly sorry for you. But don't give up. Pray for it. Let's stand.